1: What's up? Welcome back to Season 3 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of ComicBook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, I have my co-host, Janelle Wheeler. Hey, everybody! And Matthew Aguilar. What up? And today, we're joined by comic book staffer, Charlie Ridgley, affectionately known on this show as Turn Up Charlie. <laughs> What's going on? That's
2: the, that's the best nickname in all yeah, of comic right? book, I think.
1: Yeah, I think it is. I'll take it. it, I'll, take it. I'll take it. Turn up, Charlie. Yeah, turn up, Charlie's a great one. We've we've turned out some classics, but that it's one and it fits (laughs) the personality of what Charlie Ridgely (laughs) kind of brings to the show. So today is also kind of a special day. It's kind of a milestone day. If you guys are longtime fans of Comic Book Nation, we're proud to announce that in addition to being able to download this podcast on your favorite platforms or watch it on your favorite platforms live with us on Twitch or Facebook or YouTube or watch it later if you don't have the time live, we. Courtesy of ET Live, we'll be also streaming Comic Book Nation on the excellent Paramount Plus streaming network, where you can get a mountain of entertainment every Saturday nights.
2: Let's go! Uh, yeah. So, Hello Paramount fans So a few things to get out of the way Just <laughs> kind
1: of for our longtime fans of the show This means we got to clean up this act a little bit uh, <laughs> We got to class this place up a little bit Because yeah people who are going to be Streaming this show and watching it uh, We want to make sure we can deliver for everybody And not make anybody feel excluded So we're going to class this joint up a little bit So forget everything you knew about the past of Comic Book Nation. We are starting fresh today with our new, classier approach. That's it. We have a lot to talk about today. There's some exciting stuff. There's a new James Bond movie out in theaters, No Time to Die, so we're going to give you a quick check-in on what you can expect from that. We're also going to talk about the finale of Marvel's What If and the new series they just announced, a WandaVision spinoff about Catherine Han's Agatha Harkness. After the break, we're going to come back and talk about net. Flix's biggest hit show To date Squid Game And what is going on with that And what it's all about uh, We have some some real feels to get into Me and Charlie Ridgely were getting emotional about Squid Game before this and so we got a lot to say About this show, we're going to break it down for you guys About what it's all about and if you, sh- you should be watching Plus this is Comic Book Nation So we are going to actually Talk about comic books which is something that Regularly happens if they're on the show If you are just joining us Let's get into it right from the top. We want to start off with our review of the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die. Uh, James Bond has been out of theaters for quite some time. The last time we saw him was in 2015 with Spectre, or Spectre as they tried to call that movie, that uh, woefully misspelled title. But um, James (laughs) Bond, Daniel Craig is back, and this will be his last outing as James Bond And it is directed by the director of uh, in the maker of True Detective, uh, Corey Fukunagua. I hope I said his name right, Charlie. I know you know names. Did I get that one right? It sounded it sounded good. good, Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's how we do. But um, yes, it is. Bottom line, this is a good kind of full circle return to form, I think, for the James Bond franchise. I think No Time to Die kind of falls on the side of the line because Craig's run has been a mixed bag where people tend to kind of like Casino Royale and Skyfall. They're a little bit more critical of Quantum of Solace and Spectre. So this is like what his fifth. And so like, where do we land? And I think this one, he ends landing on the right side of the fence more towards kind of Casino Royale and Skyfall Every so. other one that's yeah, it's like every other one good right bad, good, bad, Who cares good. every other one Every one other one is just for the paycheck but, uh, Yeah <laughs> <That's> so <insane. laughs> it, it actually Falls on the right side of the line there's more About no time to die That it gets right then it gets wrong um, That's not to say the film is perfect I think it's overly long uh, it is like a two-hour plus Bond movie, which is typical for Bond, but this one feels it's like
3: 243 or something. Yeah, it's about it's, it's it's all, really I didn't want to long.
1: scare people, but it is closer to the three mark and it feels like that. So oh, there is that Bond. to consider. Yeah. I had to do this last night and it was, <laughs> it was it was it was it was it was hard. But um not to say the cast doesn't do great and the action isn't great and this new director, the guy who did true detective, isn't great. The sequences are fun, it's kind of, there's a lot of classic Bond staples, and it's a fun, crowd pleasing. Blockbuster movie but it is a little bit Long Um, There are some elements that are so It is a little bit bloated in the cast In the sense that not everybody feels like they get Equal weight of time Um, Um. The villains and some of the side characters that a lot Of people may be excited to see in this one Aren't maybe in the Movie as much as you might think Mm -hmm. A lot of this is kind of like a mystery But it doesn't really feel like it's a mystery that Ever pays off with a mystery which I think Might be a larger criticism of the Daniel Craig James Bond movies as a whole there was always this thing like, oh, who's behind the scenes and who's this master pulling the string. And this one kind of thuds on delivering a villain. Remy Malek is, is creepy as why they hired him to be. Uh, but his villain isn't one of the more interesting bond villains that we're ever going to see. So, I mean, there's a henchman who just has a cybernetic eye who's more interesting than the main villain. You know what I mean? Oof, that's, wow. So, and that's not a take away from Remy Malik because he, the scenes he, he is in, or he's really creepy and he's like really a Bond classic villain, but just the concept of who he is, isn't
3: the most exciting, but the that's kind, of, that's kind of what plagued Spectre too. Yeah. You know, Christoph yeah. Waltz is awesome, but Blofeld, this new era of Blofeld was really lackluster and really, you know, disappointing. And the
1: weird thing is Blofeld has a better kind of Hannibal Lecter style scene in this movie for like five minutes tops of Christoph Waltz. That's better than Spectre. And so you're like, well, at least he redeemed this thing. But um, they do bring Craig's run to a close. There's a lot of full circle stuff. It's good. Uh, And the future of Bond still looks like it's intact and exciting. So, you know, if you're thinking about No Time to Die, this is a good movie if you've been missing classic blockbuster and you love Bond. Kind of to get you back out to theaters if you want to see it. But if you're just kind of, you know, Bond falls in the middle of action things with John Wick and Bourne now for you and it's not special. Uh, I mean, you could stand the wait. It's it's not. How is Lashana? Oh, Lashana Lynch, uh, who was in Captain Marvel, is excellent in this as the new 007 it's it, there are a few people I think could hang with somebody like Daniel Craig and who is very suave and witty and very snappy as Bond. But she really does a great job in this. And like I would watch an entire series about her it, like as a spinoff and that whole thing, because she is really excellent. And I mean, she, there are some ways in which you were just like, whoa, sometimes where she is a real 007 and, you know, in the truest sense, she's not like bond like everybody's gotta he's gotta have that nice charm she's a real 007 and she's all yeah. she's the main reason i'm excited for this movie yeah so like yeah she's good you know. no she's good anna de armis is great um in her scene as her uh as paloma is is a is such a scene stealer uh you know you get like jeffrey wright back there's people in here and they're all good um, but to balance everybody, like I said, you you fall short and there's things you'd be like, oh, I wish I had more of this or missed more of that. But uh, all in all, No Time to Die is a pretty good, pretty solid, good Bond film and a good end for Daniel Craig. So uh, applause to everybody who made that. And uh, good job, Daniel Craig. I will miss this Bond. All right. So that's that. Let's talk about something we can all share in now because I've talked too long. What if? What did you guys think of this finale and... Now that we are at the end of what if season one, do you guys feel this was really relevant Marvel MCU viewing? Janelle, let's start with you,
2: please. Oh, oh gosh. Okay. I'm always scared to go first when Charlie's here. <laughs> I usually follow Charlie's lead on these. Um, Okay. I have to say this for anyone who's new listening. My motto is more content. And so for me, like the more the merrier. I'm really happy most of the time. I really, really like things for the most part. Like think of me as Paula uh, out of the judges of everything. And I love everything. So I just have to put that out there. Also, my favorite hero is Dr. Strange. This is Dr. Strange heavy episode. Therefore, I adore it. No Um, kidding, Dude, he's such a rock star in this (laughs) and I love it. It's like everything that I've ever wanted from Strange. Um, I mean, even like this bad, kind of like the bad side of him, the evil side of him. But he still comes through as like this, this glorious hero that I just love. And he sacrifices like everything um, in the end because he lost everything. Anyways, not trying to spoil loved the episode, loved the show. I have said this time and time again, I'm not a big animation fan. It's not, I don't watch anime and I don't really enjoy animated things, but I really enjoyed this. I don't know if it's because of the style was a little bit more comic booky. Um, but I I just really liked it. I liked it a lot. It gets a really high mark for me. I'm going to rewatch the whole thing. I haven't rewatched WandaVision. I haven't rewatched Loki. I'm going to rewatch this. It's easy to watch, and I like it. A lot.
1: (laughs) Way to punctuate the end there. Uh, A lot. (laughs) All right, now,
3: Charlie, I guess. Go for it. (laughs) I thought it was okay. You know, I, I... and what if as a whole, I thought was okay. Like the finale was fine. I, there was kind the, the doctor strange solo episode was incredible. I thought like it got really dark. It was really intense. Like it's really, really well-written. I loved the zombies episode. It really took Marvel in a new direction. And, and the, the child of starlet episode was really fun. Everything else kind of missed for me. Like it was, it, I didn't dislike it. Um, but it, it all felt really lackluster, you know, the, this Ultron they tried to make really scary and he was but it just kind of I don't know it all fell apart when the watcher was like oh I gotta th- 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 he like panicked it just it was <laughs> a very he... <laughs> weird finale how did, how did he sound what was his <laughs> it was a very it, it felt like really a letdown it was weird that we didn't get I know that it was a COVID thing but we didn't get the Gamora episode and she just kind of showed up um without her intro um I, I don't know <laughs> I could take a leave most of most of what if it just kind of it felt like an extra thing that was fun to pass the time till we get to Eternals and Hawkeye. But like now it's over and we can focus on like Chloe Zhao and a one eyed pizza dog. And that's just way more important. (laughs)
1: Let me ask as we go on you, Matt, let me ask, because this what Charlie's saying feeds into my larger question. Do you consider this what if? essential mcu viewing and do you think there will be larger payoff from this animated series in say the movies or the live action series that could come up later and make
4: this even more kind of essential so do i consider it essential viewing no i don't see this as essential viewing do i also though feel that it will have some sort of ramifications on things yes Um, but you know, we've seen that with like the other Disney plus shows, right? Like they all have some effect and in some cases larger effects, but you know, I wouldn't call Falcon winter soldier necessary viewing, (laughs) but like it has, it has major (laughs) effects. Like if you want to know, like from point A to point B, yes, but as a whole, that show disappointed the hell out of me. Um, so like, I, I'm kind of like this, like, I wish I actually really liked this last episode. And it was one of those things where I was like, man, I wish this whole show had been paced differently. And like the way they threaded the like it should not have taken to the series, like the season finale to get this. Like, I don't know what the difference would have been, whether you just like make longer episodes or you just Maybe thread the story differently.
2: Ultron earlier. But like and I like I didn't care
4: about there's an Ultron like at all. Okay. Like I was more interested in like the the back and forth and the exchanges between the characters. Like that's the fun part. And that's like half the best part of this episode is just seeing them all play off each other. So I wanted that. But I wanted that like from season like episode one. Like I wanted all that throughout the whole season. Instead, it was like dangling this carrot and the entire time. And I I have to get through this slog of stuff and twists that go nowhere. And then finally at the end, like, hey, here you go. And it lasts for an episode. And the episode's really cool. You know, but like doing this whole payoff
3: with with pepper and Shuri, that was going to be so right.
2: cool. Oh my god! I forgot about that. seconds right they were
4: gone. Right, pull the rug out from under them and like really
2: like oh, what is that moment in the trailer forgot. for the back half of the
4: season was so
3: cool. I'm like, oh, I, I, I want to see that. And yeah. it sucked that so much of this episode hinged on uh, Killmonger, who was like my least favorite.
4: Okay, we're, the getting, we're getting too far into the, tree here. We're all, look, far into the, the trees. We're not the the discussing the fed into my point, yeah. which was I don't consider it essential viewing. I, I do think, so think it will have ramifications. Like
1: I gotta that. respectfully disagree with you guys. I, I disagree with what you're saying. I don't. You guys are kind of saying like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, for example, is non-essential viewing, but I, I would not say that <laughs> at all. I yeah, that. I don't agree with that at all. I, I don't think you show up to Captain America 4 and be like,
4: wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah. if you don't. Yeah, because no one can soldier. put together that he was given the shield at the end of Endgame and he became Captain America. <laughs>
1: right.
3: that's, no one that's, put
1: that together. that's, yes, that I mean, is. we could always say that. But exactly. like, that who that, needs
4: nuance? Fans, who needs that? You, again, you asked, you're not, you're talking about two different things, though. You're not saying, I said, is it essential viewing? No nuance and context yes if you want that go watch it is but it essential to the mcu point a to point b together without that show because that show was heavily flawed. i think that the road wow. for a new
1: captain america to become the new captain america is, is as essential as the road to watching the first captain america become the first captain america i consider both of those to be kind of essential origin stories no they matter if i been. know if the first guy would show up and have a shield, I'd be like i know he's gonna have the shield of suit they should the have been but like, the show
4: should have been better
1: Uh, Okay, that's that's (laughs) a separate. That's a separate. You're you're going off
4: the question, so I'm joining you there,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But this question of essential means like, do you need to know the narrative things that happen and character arcs that happen here? Well, to be determined, right? Whether they were executed. Perfectly. I mean, I don't think in some cases it's it's an open book mystery. I think you need to know what happened in Loki and have had to watch that oh, to yeah. really have a because that was really just a primer for us to start saying Marvel Mar- multiverse and what that meant and what all in that. Entails. I agree. Like,
4: I feel like Loki is essential, and, and I
1: don't think you could understand a single thing in What If if you have not seen Loki, like and and what that's all about. I think it would really be kind of throwing you for a loop, being like, "What is happening here?" Um, yeah. So I don't agree that they're not essential. I think they are kind of essential. What if is a kind of, like I said, I mean, I asked the question because obviously I feel there is a question here, but, um, I think there are going to be some things that are surprising about what if I think Marvel might kind of invest in the importance of this series a little more than we think, because there are certain things that are now just sitting out there, right? Like Toby Jones and Michael B. Jordan can come back to this franchise in a way that has now been kind of set up as a different kind of Killmonger, a different kind of Arnim Zola. You know, we like, we've been talking about Dr. Strange Supreme as a character we could very easily meet in the multiverse of madness uh, and suggests as much by the title of that film. Uh, I think this could turn out to be a little bit more essential. Um, I actually thought the last two episodes of What If were good, but I kind of liked—I liked having this series in the same way I liked having the old comics. Right? Like they are just kind of throwaway. And I think Janelle touches on something that I think I would go back and watch this more than I would Loki because a lot of this Marvel stuff feels like a soap opera. It's—it's it's really mm-hmm. exciting when you watch it and you're trying to see, you know, who's going to come back from the dead with an evil twin and all that. But like once that happens and a lot of these stories get kind of they can be not to say rewatching the films and stuff isn't great, but like it can get muted in the enjoyment factor after you get the like the surprises, the post credits and all that stuff. See Venom, too. Um, But I would go back and watch this because I feel like this series was fun. And as I watched it, I would get kind of more details and fun out of it now that it's not like not as now it's not on the Marvel schedule this week that I have to do. And I feel like I would go back to this more so than Loki or WandaVision or something else. But hey, that's just me. Me too. (laughs) All right, let's talk about Agatha Harkins. How you got Harkness? How you guys feel about that? Catherine Hahn, she was a breakout star of WandaVision. And I will say, I think people have, I've seen on the internet a lot of people saying, oh, Agatha is getting a show. Like, what? Like, you know, there's all the jokes about who also should get a show of low tier Marvel characters versus who's not getting a show. But uh, if you did any of our reading about coverage of WandaVision or we're all uh, listening to the show during that time, I'm about to wreck my computer. um, Agatha Harkness is a very pivotal character in Marvel and it's kind of a way to orient fans with a character they already like and can open doors to all kinds of different things. I mean, her influence on the mystical side of the Marvel universe is really profound and she's also done small things like be the nanny for the fantastic four and their freaky mutant kid, you know, Franklin Richards who can warp reality and do all that stuff. So there's a lot that they could do with this one, with this Agatha series. Uh, but what do you guys think? Cause I think it's going to also be another surprise because you hear it and you're like, mm, but Catherine Han, who, if you ever know Catherine Han, who barely has like a computer or anything and doesn't get too wrapped up in all this, would be a perfect kind of Trojan horse for setting up a lot of this crazy, stuff. Good for her to Marvel, the way.
4: yeah. Good for yeah, seriously. Good for, <laughs> good her. for her that she does not. But uh, would be
1: a good Trojan horse to set up a lot of some of this crazier stuff in a way that we never really expected, right? Maybe even some redemption for Ralph Boner in there. Oh,
2: <gasps> please. Uh, Well, personally, I I coming from, you know, obviously, I'm the newest comic book reader in the posse, but I can't say I'm a noob anymore, because I've been like rapid fire for two years, like going crazy trying to catch up. (laughs) And I will say during that time of me studying, I have come to really enjoy Agatha whenever I see her. I first started kind of looking into her when it was you know, when I was getting ready for WandaVision and I think it's really cool. I think they did a great job of deciding to announce that she's getting her solo show as a witch from the Salem Witch Trials, like during spooky season, Halloween. And I think it will be cool. I really enjoyed her character. And for anyone who's like, eh, I don't know if I like it. Just rewind. Like, think about how much you were so pumped about Agatha, especially with like Agatha all in Like everybody was losing their minds when Wandavision was on. And they loved her. And then obviously like the hype wore off and everyone's just kind of like, oh yeah, Agatha, I forget. But I think, I think that this she's gonna do such a great job in this role. And again, more content, like I'm really excited to see it. And anything mystical, anything magic in the MCU is like totally up my alley and I'm so pumped about it. She was part of the Fan so she was, was she a big role in the Fantastic Four?
1: Yeah, Agatha Harkness was actually introduced in the Fantastic Four in the 1970s, long before she ever made contact with Vision and Scarlet Witch and all that stuff. She right. was just this. She was the governess, which was basically like the nanny or caretaker, um, and she helped raise their son, who turned out to be an Omega-level mutant who can change reality, kind of like Wanda. He's able to mess with reality and do all that stuff. So he's and, not a mutant anymore. Yeah, I know they took that. Thank away. you, Dan Slott.
4: Yeah, they took
1: that away and changed all that. But uh, for a long time, he was a mutant, and it's unclear how they'll play that in the MCU. But uh, yeah. yeah, so, and it would be hilarious to know. And there's a lot of dramatic irony I could see with this series. And if you don't know what that means, it basically means that you could use the audience's knowledge to kind of play with things about who Agatha is and how nuts she is while setting her up as like a nanny job. Right. And just seeing her do crazy stuff and then end up at like the Baxter building. But, you know, just
4: make the
3: nanny with Catherine Hans Agatha Harkness.
4: There it is. Ah! And, and it <laughs> There's the idea. That's, yeah. it there. That's the elevator pitch right <laughs> there. The That's there. Also the sitcom format. Boom.
2: That's great. Done. That,
3: yeah, that's the elevator pitch the right game. there and she uses magic to solve I've all problems the problems yeah, I dream I mean, of doing or just bring Fran Josh for the MCU either one is fine I will also lay like, down for that <laughs> if, if, you, if you're Marvel and you say Catherine Hahn, would you do more stuff and she says yes you do anything that you can to keep her as long as possible because Catherine Hahn's incredible I agree. and so no matter what happens in the show we're going to get more Catherine Hahn as a witch and that's just like objectively awesome Look at me and Charlie um,
4: agreeing. Yeah, look at so that. Nice. Look at you that. Do it. It, it happens every It's <laughs> like a solar um, eclipse. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. It'll it'll be like it'll be, you know, February before uh, we talk like that again. Um yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But I, so something Kobe mentioned that I really thought a lot about when they when this was this news broke, uh, is that I thought about Nick Fury, and I don't think it's gonna have the same kind of role. Yeah, you know, I don't think Agatha going to pull people together and do all this stuff. But the way that Nick Fury acted as connective tissue between things for a long time, you know, he's the one that met Iron Man. He's the one that brought Captain America. You know, like, he connected all the pieces. And I think that Agatha can really play a similar role in just providing connective tissue because she has such a deep history with magic. While Doctor Strange might know everything and now kind of knows everything. Um, she's been doing it for hundreds of years. And so she she understands the Darkhold. She understands, you know, where these things came from. And you see Marvel, like, going deeper with the mystical, with the dark stuff. You know, we have this New Doctor Strange movie. We have this spinoff now. Blade is coming, like... Agatha provides a way to kind of piece the different things together and provide context to different things. And it just, I think it's a really smart move for a character that you could have done, like tried to fit things into a big screen, but you can just take Agatha and kind of space her out and give her room to explain different things and to talk about different topics and, you know, really explore that mystical side of Marvel. that I think a lot of us have really wanted to see more of.
1: Yeah. And that's a good point. So we're going to see what this kind of show is and how it shapes up. Because uh, like Charlie just kind of brilliant, just broke down, it's, it could be one that builds up another side of the Marvel Universe very quickly and definitely and helps us get into a lot of other exciting stuff. All right. We got an update uh, to include something else to mention that, you know, we kind of forgot to mention, but it's pretty cool. So we have another Transformers movie coming and we got a first look at the Transformers. So Cue that Hello. up, Rich. Oh, Jim's here, too. Hi, oh,
2: yeah.
3: wow.
1: Jim just popped in. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's, that was He's doing Transformers
5: oh. stuff.
2: Magic.
1: So, True. yes. So, uh,
5: Stephen Cable Jr., the director for Rise of the Beasts, uh, gave us our first look at Decepticons and uh, the Autobots. Uh, but look man, I that, know That's know. the money
4: one right there. That's I was the going to say. I mean,
5: man, look at that Bumblebee. Like That new uh, Bumblebee looks incredible. I love the... More G1 looking, uh, Optimus Prime. That's uh, Jazz, right? Yeah, yeah, so that's Jazz. I don't know who the, the bug Volkswagen. is, yeah. Um, but but no, but, but this is look, I grew up a lifelong Beast Wars fan, okay? Like, that was like my introduction
1: to. I don't think you could be a lifelong Beast Wars
5: well, fan. I mean, I, mean <laughs> I think you have to start off as a Transformers fan, I, was, and then you I, got am, a, I am a diehard. <laughs> Beast Wars fan. Okay? Like that is a thing where it is a uh, it is a show that like I said it introduced me to the Transformers and what's what's interesting about this is that we're getting Optimus Prime voice by Peter Cullen. But we're also getting Optimus Primal yeah. voiced by Ron Perlman, which like, which is really, really cool. I've been watching uh, the that Transformers show that's on Netflix, uh, where they're they're kind of bringing all that together, and I, I suspect this will just be a really cool live action, uh, you know, version of that. And
4: oh, did uh, you I finally know.
5: watch the the research? Yeah, I yeah. yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's 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 going to be. I mean, Matt, you did some pre press around this, like when they first announced it, right?
4: Yeah. Uh got to, to see the I mean he number one, he comes off as like he's so enthusiastic. Like he, lo- he loves yeah. Peace Wars as much oh, as like yeah, me. Stephen Cable's are like a massive yeah. like mega fan. Me and Jim do. So like it's it comes across like every time he's talking about it. So that's awesome just in itself. But yeah, uh got to see Optimus Primal's uh like bot mode. Um, and that looks Fantastic! I mean, that looks so good. Like, if they keep continue that way, Rhinox is another one of my favorites. I
5: just, I need to see. I need to see Rhinox. Oh, Rat trap. I need, so to, see uh, I, oh, I need to see. Cheetor. I need to see all of the Cheetor. Yeah, all of them. Um, um, but, but yeah, I mean, look, this is this is a the, the Transformers franchise has, has been a little rocky. Uh, but I like this with with Bumblebee. Uh, like when we, we when we got Bumblebee, I thought like, what a great like Bumblebee's way is one of my favorite movies kind of period. Like I, I I really like that movie. Um, And so like having this connected and like having this movie take place in, in the nineties, I think is going to be, is going to be a lot of fun, but.
3: Don't forget Anthony Ramos is starring in it. Right. And he's, if y'all didn't see in the Heights, Anthony Ramos is just incredible. And so, I mean, him being in a blockbuster in and of itself is like super exciting to me, no matter what the blockbuster would be. The fact that it's beast wars is Like double really cool?
5: Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, between between him and and, and Dominique Fishback, like I think we're we're in for we're in for uh, a good ride on this one. So uh, so I needed to I need, I needed any chance I get to nerd out about Beast Wars. (laughs) I'm going to take. So I needed to do that. So thank you.
1: All right. Well, that's the first look at uh, Transformers Rise of the Beast. Next exciting thing from that will be when we get that artwork or the uh, actual shots of what our Beast Wars characters look like. I'm looking forward to that. And I don't know about you, but I am really looking forward to seeing Optimus Prime and Optimus Prime will throw down and have a little friendly disagreement. So that's going to be cool. All right. We're going to take a break. But when we get back, we got to break down Netflix's Squid Game, why this show is a hit and why you should be watching. I mean, I'm not even going to pretend it's going to be democratic or about that. We're just going to tell you why you should be watching. So (laughs) come on back. We're going to do that and talk comics.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt.
1: If you are just joining our show this time or you caught us streaming on Paramount Plus, this is Comic Book Nation and we will scare you with our midsection break return. Every (laughs) single time in some cases. But uh, that's the fun of the show. It's just one of the fun things we do. We like to freak each other out with uh, with our uh, intro music. All right. Now that we're back, let's talk about Netflix's Squid Game. Squid Game is the Korean language thriller that is, I mean, blowing up and is, I don't know if it's official yet or if it's you know really close to official that this is going to be netflix's biggest uh hit yet most viewed show charlie you you wow. are, are yeah charlie's, yeah. Well, charlie's also there's... hold on let me sing your praises man let okay. me sing your praises charlie's oh, wow. also our streaming guru so he knows like all things streaming and uh really tackles that part of the site for us
3: so charlie uh where are we at with uh, the ratings for squid game and netflix hasn't officially like announced this is the biggest show we've ever had you know um, but like based on metrics that you know, a lot of the different uh sites and programs that are looking at who's viewing what. And even just looking at the Netflix top ten thing that you know rotates every day. Squid game's been number one since in the US since it came out. I mean, the last couple of weeks. Um, and that's shows like that that like, go up there all the time, you know, new shows. But like we've had a new we've had a new Mike Flanagan show debut since Squid Game came out. And Midnight Mass, as popular as Mike Flanning and stuff is on Netflix, was not able to take out Squid Game for the top spot. Um, you know, oh, the Guilty wait. with Jake Gyllenhaal was remember,
1: not. Wait, I'm sorry. I didn't remember that Squid Game came out before Midnight Mass?
3: I believe They were, they were really close. I think it was a, a oh, day or two were, before. Like, really close, I, have uh, I have to look. I have to look. I I think it was a day or two before. Okay. I could be wrong. I could be no, totally continue, wrong. Continue. Um, because I, I caught the Squid, the Squid Game train like I did. I, I saw the name of it, and it took me a while to catch on to how popular it actually was. Um, but, like, I mean, Midnight Mass didn't take the top spot you know, from Squid Game. Uh, the Guilty, the Jake Gyllenhaal movie, didn't take the top spot from Squid Trump Game. Um, is the
1: streaming guru? He is correct. Squid Game came out September 17th, the day of my 10th anniversary, and Midnight Mass came out September 24th. That is crazy. So Squid Game, wow. yeah, that's pretty That's pretty. And, and, and there was
3: no press for it at all. People were discovering this wholly on their own you know because midnight mass there was a lot of like push for obviously you know it's it's a, a new mike flanagan show mike flanagan has been an absolute hit maker for netflix i mean both hill house and bly manor were huge gerald's game got a lot of a lot of praise you know he, non-netflix but dr sleep was was a pretty solid you know critical hit and so everything he does for netflix has been big and then now he does this and I think it's his best show yet. A lot of critics agree that it's his best show yet. And that was still not enough to to outdo what Squid Game was doing. Yeah. Um, it's and pretty exciting. Not only has it been that way in the U.S., I mean, I think the metric I read was like 90 different countries. It was number yeah. one at one point. Um, I mean, it's 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 so big because it's, yeah, it's huge here, but like it's huge everywhere.
4: Yeah. yeah There's not a
3: country this. that's not watching this.
1: I don't think we've seen this from Netflix in a long time where, where a series just kind of organically just kind of rolled Stranger it. Things
3: is really yeah. the only one I can and we didn't have the, the top 10 then we didn't have sites measuring metrics for streaming at that point I mean I, under the radar but now it's there's so many streaming services that, that those things are really popular everyone wants to know who's streaming what but like Stranger Things if, if you remember was not really heavily advertised no not at first and people kind of started discovering it and word of mouth caught on and everyone was like oh you have to watch Stranger Things and Squid Game has kind of become that with the added you know benefit of that top 10 when you log on and say oh this is the most popular thing on this site right now i should watch it and and that is really kind of snowballed and i mean every people who i have friends who are not like entertainment connected you know a couple friends that only talk to me like they ask me about marvel stuff but that's really it but i had multiple text me he's like have you watched squid game do you know about squid game what's going on with squid game like everyone is talking about this show and I, I think I mean, we'll, we'll get into why I think there's a lot of different factors to it. But I think part of it is it's such a I think a lot of audiences, especially American audiences, are not used to this kind of thing. This like death game subgenre situation is really new for a lot of people. And it's really kind of taken everybody by storm.
1: Yes, yeah, is like kind of people like what Battle Royale did to us. Oh, in Battle 99. Royale. Like 99. 2000 right around that turn is like I feel or what the Hunger Games did for some young adults in like the 2010s this is kind of now for adults them discovering this but this is pop I mean this is a popular subgenre in Asian cinema tv stuff like that it's been around for a long time but this kind of death games but squid game is one of the better ones i've seen because i do love this genre uh ever since i saw battle royale um it's by huang yuk
3: battle Uh, royale uh, is streaming streaming for free on imdb imdb tv just for anyone oh really see i told you he's got all the streaming streaming. battle royale is the best of this whole genre of the whole death game situation like if you're watching squid game and you're into it you, battle royale is a must see i mean no offense to squid game battle royale is the be- better version of it like
1: uh, well, watch I'm battle not. royale you always turn up a little too far we're not gonna go hey, there. Battle royale <laughs> is, <laughs> it's, it's
3: it's it's a cult classic for a reason it's a yeah, classic um, okay, no, violent never awesome gonna argue movie. with that but uh let's go just bring back to uh squid game
1: um to answer some things in the comments because we do have live comments while we are live on twitch uh youtube and facebook and we want to let our audience know we hear you guys um yes you can watch squid game dubbed It's really kind of sinister. I actually want to talk about that because my wife and I both share a Netflix account, but we have two different profiles. And I feel like Netflix predicts based on who you are and what you watch, which version you get, because she started Squid Game it all under her profile, under her her profile. (laughs) And it automatically did the dubbed version for her. Cause she came to me and was like, wait, I thought you said this was like subtitled. And for me, it started in the, you know, the subtitle version, because I watch a lot of anime on Netflix and, and foreign films, and she doesn't. She she very much just likes to just watch in English because she's doing stuff. Um, and so that was kind of funny, but you can watch it in two different ways. And Netflix might choose for you. That's my point. Uh, so, yes, that's that question. And some people have said, you know, are things we watched like last year also similar hits and like uh, Tiger King and the platform? and the platform got to be big, but that was just a single movie and, and series take on a different kind of phenomenon. Uh, And platform
3: peaked really pretty
1: quickly. Yeah. And then went. yeah, you know, I mean, I
3: love platform. It was very,
1: yeah, it was quick. quick and it was a quick, satisfying peak, but it was quick. Um, and tiger King, I think, I know it was hugely popular in America. I'm not sure what the international appeal of all that was. Uh, I feel like it was very much Americana more so than anything else. Um, But yeah, no, this one is the first one we've seen that's rolled out kind of across the world. And just to get into what makes this really good is I think the kind of show creator, Huang Dong-yuk, has really – he's a filmmaker if you've done any kind of research on him. First of all, he had to scrap really hard to get this thing made. I mean, he he took it down to the last dollar and believed in this project to get it done and is reaping well-deserved rewards. So – oh, Money Heist. Money Heist would be the other big thing that kind of rolled out – that kind of did worldwide success like this. Money Heist kind of grew organically, um, but uh, yeah, he's made this series, and I think it's really good because it's very timely. And what Deathmatch kind of subgenre does is it uses the the kind of both the fascination and the and the morbid fascination of seeing these games of chance and who will die and compete, and which is an extension of what we already like to watch—the Schadenfreude of us like watching like Wipeout or all those other. Shows, game shows that are just about people getting hurt or slimed or falling. The floor, is, the floor lava. is lava. floor is lava. Yeah, Frogger. And we love that kind of stuff. The and even just like monster truck rallies, all that stuff. The morbid kind of curiosity of something could go wrong, or somebody's going to get messed up or hurt, or something like that. So it takes that and it marries it to real deep kind of m- themes about people and society and all that kind of stuff. Both on the large macro, like I said, social philosophical level and the micro, p- who people are kind of what makes us, what bonds us, what doesn't bond us and all that kind of stuff. And this show really captures that. And per episode, it, it's a kind of perfect marriage of using games that we all could recognize from childhood and the kind of thrill edge of your seat, thrill of seeing who's going to survive these games. But also each episode takes its game and makes a very great metaphor about, like I said, something about society people or both. And each episode to episode is really effective. And Charlie and I were like focusing on the sixth episode today, which I'm not going to tell you anything about this. Cause I think we say, this is like at the heart, at the height of his person of its popularity. And I was kind of arguing with Jim Viscardi about this the other day, but I think it's just now really getting to that wave where it's crashing through the water cooler. And it's getting to like Charlie and everybody else said, like mainstream people are mm-hmm. beginning to like really jump into it. And that's that wave is still happening. So I'm not going to spoil anything, but the sixth episode is a perfect like. If I were to submit to an Emmys or something like that, would be
3: the one that I selected. Episode six is one of my favorite TV single episodes of the whole year. You yeah, know? And, and and I think you like Speed more than I do. Like, I I like it. I'm not over the moon about it, but I am like all in on episode six. I mean, it's it, it's a little bit of a bottle episode in a way. It's kind of one location ish, but it's some of it's the best writing of the show. It's some of the best writing I've seen on TV in a while. Like it's a really really fascinating character study and there are stakes that kind of get set up right away yeah. and you know that there's no chance of that changing As i'm trying i'm trying to work around not saying anything about no, it but yeah. episode six is so wonderfully put together um a really cool set design too which the whole show is really awesome set design uh but episode six is like the peak of that show episode six so everyone everyone like when you look on mdb look at the ratings no, the no, episodes, it's, it's a very good it's episode. like a full point higher than everything else but i'm just saying um, it's,
1: it's the epitome of like everything that this show is doing right using yeah. this kind of childhood game the stakes the character stuff and the larger societal thing like you know you gonna come away with episode six with mixed feelings about people in general um <laughs> and so Half-Send Josh says have your therapist on speed dial. Yes, that is very true. Uh there are episodes of Squid Game that will break you emotionally. So Oh yeah, and Kobe, you have
3: no I could you still have another episode or two to go, correct? Yeah,
1: well, yes, yes. I'm coming okay. to the end and if, like okay. any death match, like any death match story ever, once you get down to the end, you get down to the core characters, yeah, like it gets more real than that and it gets tragic. So Yeah, Highlander rules baby. That taught me about life. There can only be one. So there you go. Um but yeah, uh, let's talk to Janelle and Matt real quick, because you guys are just now kind of I'm throwing you into the squid game pool based on your obligations to the show. What are you guys thinking so far?
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm so glad you did. But I I jumped the gun, man. I don't even remember episode six. I watched it so fast. I did not take any breaks. I didn't leave the couch like I was just sucked. Episode in. six was
3: all marbles.
2: Yeah. The, oh, marbles. Okay, the marble got episode. it. Yes. Oof, love, yeah. love, love. Oh, God, I'm, I'm so pumped. I feel like the biggest problem, because I'm, I'm telling my fiance to watch it now, is trying to decide, like Kofi said, if you should be watching it with subtitles or dubs. I have been kind of bouncing back and forth, depending on how busy I am cooking dinner or something. Mm-hmm. I will say that the subtitles, I really like the subtitles better.
3: The dub is weird for it, this. It's it weird because you dub. get s-
2: certain like loss in translation things where like it's something that's supposed to be like flirty is also being referenced to somebody that's not flirty or so. It's- there's there's
3: a the, the one there's one character two one, tw- two one two where she keeps calling the one guy a babe, but in the English, she says old man. (laughs) Yes. It's very, very very
2: confusing. So that's like the one episode. (laughs)
3: If if you listen to the English dub and have the English subtitles, those don't match either. Yeah. It's, it's, if you can sit and focus on it, you can watch this, watch the original language with the subtitles. It's, it is much, much better. I mean,
2: it is some people like it
3: their own way. That's fine.
2: But you really but. should like, even if you just watch like maybe the last episode with the subtitles, like, you really should just like experience at least one episode with the subtitles. But it felt very like it's a small world after all for me. Like throughout the whole thing, that is so aesthetically pleasing. Um, obviously, <laughs> I want to spoil everything.
3: Well, okay. no. I'll ask you one question. I, I, just no spoilers. Did you like the ending? Just a yes um,
2: or... Kind of. OK, it's I don't a no for I don't me. Feel, dog. That's all I'm going to say. Feel I do not love. Yeah, I don't yeah. feel all right. the yeah, the, we're,
3: gonna, we're going to going. There is definitely room it. for another season, though, which is yes. Good. All right. And
2: I hope that happens. We're going
1: to stop it there because I know Charlie and I know when Charlie gets ramped up. We cannot <laughs> yeah, that's it. why we'll I asked yeah. and left it yeah, alone. Yeah, 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 I I know, we're going to stop there. We got to stop before we get ramped up, because I know you two will go just over the top and spoilers. So we're going to stop it right there. But the consensus is all around. And I'm sorry, Matt, You all you get is a yes or no. Should people watch Squid Game? Sure. Matt is indifferent. (laughs) So there you have it. Sure. From Matthew Aguilar, that is Netflix's Squid Game. Uh, Check that out. We are going to move on because we want to have enough time to talk comics this week. This is Comic Book Nation. And as such, we discuss comic books and hopefully let you guys know which ones you should be picking up and what's good to check out. And that is always our comics guru, Matthew Aguilar. What is out on stands this week?
4: But up, uh, people. Uh, so let's start with some Marvel. Uh, this is the relaunch. I don't know if how if everyone's kept up with the uh, Spider-Man uh, saga lately, but Nick Spencer's run's kind of come to its natural conclusion, and now we are starting the thrice monthly Amazing Spider-Man run, which has a kind of like what they did uh, a few years ago, where they kind of combined some of their most popular writers. Uh, here we have three. Of their more popular writers, and they're kind of tackling uh, this ongoing story. Uh, by the way, full spoilers for comics incoming. Uh, so if you have not read those, shy your eyes, your ears, everything. Um, but uh, this brings back. I know. I think Kofi's a, a big Ben Riley fan. Uh, if I from that mistake. Are you I think I'm,
1: a, more, I'm I think I'm one of the biggest stumpers for both Ben Reilly and the Clone Saga of the 90s here. I think okay, I'm on the comic book problem. staff. Um, yeah, I feel like I have to hold my own on that a lot, but like yes. Ben I, Reilly I, has the best
3: Spider-Man design of all time. Dude, Scarlet Spider design, yes, is
4: like one of the. Yeah, I mean,
1: that's just the 90s right there, man. Like, that's just the 90s right there.
4: Scarlet Spiders uh, with a hoodie, sweatshirt. Yeah, man. That's great stuff. um, So, this, of course, brings us to uh, one of the more interesting wrinkles here. Um, So, if it's one of those things, this tends, this tries to kind of streamline and take cherry pick the most interesting elements over the last three years. Of Spider-Man stories and kind of give you still give you a fresh place to take off. So, you know, if you didn't see like all the Ben Reilly kind of, you know, trying to clone people and all that <laughs> from before, uh, you might be a little a little hazy. But they, they do a good enough job of filling in some of the details. Uh, but he's back. He's kind of got this new lease on life.
1: Nobody can untangle the cloning in Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a and lot. Uh, well, and not even that one. The
4: second one. Like the like the next one when he came back and like people thought it was the jackal but it wasn't and he had the mask and he was kind of like all that stuff so they reference some of that in here also we get like slots superior spider man and like some of that stuff and like Parker was had Parker Industries and all that there's a lot in here but they I think they do a good enough job of even if you haven't read all that give you enough of the pieces to kind of pick up um, but I just think it's br- it's actually brilliant that um, he when he sold the company. When Doc Ock, this is such a comic sea explanation. When Doc Ock was in control of his body, <laughs> he filed a he filed copyright and trademarks on the Spider Man name. So when and Peter didn't realize that. So when he sold the company for like whatever it was worth at the end, he didn't realize he also sold the title of Spider Man like the legal title of Spider-Man, which means now he can't legally like for branding and stuff, be Spider-Man. Ben O'Reilly is now working with the company that owns that. And so like if you're looking at it, Ben O'Reilly is the actual Spider-Man by name. Uh, I think that's just like brilliant. It's such a small little weird thing to kind of grasp onto, but I think it's great I think it's really interesting. Um and then we get a lot of like core Spider-Man stuff. Peter and MJ and they're kind of him refusing to deal with a lot of the trauma that's happened over the last few years, Ben and trying to explore this whole new life of his, that he can actually be out in the open and people know him as a hero. There's a lot of core Spider-Man stuff here. I dug it overall. There's a couple different stories, but I actually ended up liking most of them, even though if I didn't love the art on every single one, I liked the whole thing. So I came away actually pretty enthused about more enthused about a Spidey story than I had been in a minute. Um, Danelle, I know this is kind of—I don't know how uh, deep you've gone into to Spidey lore and stuff. So, what did you feel about this?
2: Yeah, I don't really. Spider-Man is not one of my my like go-to um, storylines that I read on. And yes, you are correct. I was a little confused with Ben. I didn't know who Ben was or what that was about. Um, but I mean, as long as you read the little intro paragraph you got it you kind of understand what's happening when they do bring in ben i'm i had a moment like is he hallucinating is this thing not (laughs) real and then finally like it was established pretty quickly i think they did a good job especially for newbies coming in i think you can definitely get into this book read it understand what's going on be intrigued by the story and want to continue i mean that's i do feel enthused about this book for sure and the (laughs) art was great yeah
4: boy the art on that first story is oh my gosh yeah uh it's so good Kofi what do you think
1: I have not finished this one yet I'm playing catch up on a lot of spider-man stuff because I can't I could not like jump into this I started and I was like all right I need to know what happened with all the kindred stuff like I got to get back so I'm actually going backwards and I'm like going through the last few issues of amazing spider-man So I'm catching up, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I could tell you um, just off the bat, I, I'm hoping like just having seen just the early part of this and just trying to put my head around all of it. Like I'm hoping that I'm glad that Ben Riley is going to get a fresh kind of start out of all this. Cause I think Spider-Man needs something disconnected from whatever has been happening in like the last five years of Spider-Man, because it is so convoluted and like really hard to follow It's just, like, one big cable origin, and it's just, like, just trying to keep track of, like, what Spider-Man's been through, what Miles has been through, like, what the superior Spider-Man did, who are these other, like, you know, Spider-Man family people now, there's, like, 50 of them, and, like, all of this, in the Spider-Verse, and, like, the Spider-Totems, and, like, all of this stuff is so... Oh, you don't need to consider. No, the- no, don't just- do that
4: to yourself. Did not consider the spider totems, even though I will always have a special place in my heart for the other. I love I actually love that series, <laughs> but <laughs> I know that not not everybody shares that opinion and I totally get it. It is a it is a mess. But uh- I,
1: I think that the Ben Riley and the Spider-Man, um, whatever the new corporation is called, is actually a fresh start that I will be able to get behind and enjoy so I'm kind of happy it's happening because it feels like the first time I'm gonna get a Spider-Man character I know and like and not be so burdened by I mean it'll still be part of this larger crazy universe but not so burdened by this because I feel like I can't get through any of these and I feel like every time we talk about Spider-Man storylines recently we keep saying the same thing it's like I wish this series could just do a simple like (laughs) point a to point b like here's what we're doing here's a quest like Spider-Man journey, adventure, character story, as opposed to all this convoluted
3: stuff we keep getting into. But um, just like the movies,
4: yeah, there you go. Just like you know, so that's where I stand on it. Yeah, I, number one, I I think I think the creative team is up to that test. I'm a big somebody said Brywood says it needs a Spider-Man needs a Hickman reboot. Oh, I mean, like, it's not <laughs> it's not wrong. I I do love that Zeb Wells, who writes Spider-Man really well, is part of this. I also love Kelly Thompson's work, uh, as noted by everybody. So like having them involved in this i feel like the tone of spider-man throughout this whole issue is perfect like it's spot on it feels like spider-man their whole back and forth of like ben riley's suit is all souped up and like his not like all that all that back and forth stuff is really is really good so i hope by the way i saw in the in the comments um so this is actually amazing spider-man this is actually kicks off amazing spider-man 75 so they're not breaking up the numbering they're just releasing amazing spider-man three times a month it's not like three different titles. So it's just that one. They also recently canceled. I think it's nonstop Spider-Man. So like, there's like currently like four Spider books, but I think they canceled one to kind of make room for this. Um wow. Just for any clarity purposes,
3: is Saladin Ahmed still writing Miles? Yeah,
4: yeah. Miles yeah, has anywhere. Spider Gwen's still around? Yeah, I, like I mean, those. To Kofi's point, there are a lot of of yeah. Spider-Man a level lot. characters because Miles also movies. had a really big
3: role in Champions too. Yeah, which got recently canceled. Yeah, but those stuff
1: feels like Miles feels like classic Spider-Man stuff, like old school Peter Parker.
4: Well, it feels like that, though, because it's it feels like that. I feel like one because Miles is a great character, but also it's like Ultimate Spider-Man felt for the first you're getting to build it it, it, it it's a
3: simpler story too like we're talking about all the crazy stuff happening you know and i mean to his credit ahmed's a very very good writer right and that has a lot to do with it but it's a very simple story to of miles as a as a teenager and a hero and how all the things in his his life affect the other things it's it's very to its roots
4: did the same thing eventually at some point you just develop your own kind like miles is going to run into the same problem yeah at some point in time It'll so it get too convoluted. I mean, he's already yeah. dealing with clones, too. So, right. I mean, like, right. it's already you you know, the getting clones. It's, it's getting um, mess is inevitable. Yes. Yeah. It's just about how you navigate it. So, yeah, I mean, but Spider-Man especially is probably one of the more messier characters now uh, to this point, which is crazy because I should not be able to relate Spider-Man to cable, but you're not wrong. Um, so moving on to something completely different uh, and keeping it in the horror theme of, of Halloween. Soul Plumber. Which I threw this book on to the CB Nation crew, um, and uh, I did not. To be fair, I had not read it yet when I did that, so I just read the premise and was like, "Oh, this is DC horror. This would be fun." And then I read it, and I went, "Oh, Snikes. Sh- 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 <laughs> this, this is something." Uh, so this book uh, is about. This is number one. This is. I think this is part of their Black Label. Um, oh, this it's is DC a, horror. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. This is a very adult level book. Uh so do not be giving this to the kiddos. Uh, fair warning. Uh it's about um essentially kind of like they, they take uh this guy who's been looking for direction and kind of looking for the sign from God and he tried to be in the clergy and that didn't work out and all these things. Don't
2: and then call he finds him a guy. This is a like gross like freakazoid. <laughs>
4: yeah. Yes, this,
3: this Like a
2: psychopath scary dude. Yeah, like he's, he's, he's a
3: little I'm disappointed like, I didn't get to read this. You oh, need dude. to
2: play the deliverance theme like. I don't know. Dire, 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 dire. When,
3: when, when Kofi sent me the the doc for the show, the preview in Slack hadn't updated yet. So I read a bunch of comics that I guess y'all talked about a couple weeks ago.
2: Oh no. So
3: <laughs> I was sitting here reading darkhold and ready to talk
4: about Dude, so that weird mess. You need and, to read this because I feel like you would. Well, I don't know if you'll like it. I feel like you would appreciate just how like awful Oh, I'm sure
3: it just is. the way you're talking about it, I'm like I said, I'm I'm upset I have not read it yet. That's <laughs> the first thing I do when I get off of it.
4: It's this very creepy. Of uh, got lots of issues, guy. Uh To, to be very not even that is too simplification, like too simple. But <laughs> no, I mean finds, this is it's very finds... much
1: in the kind of Harvey P. Carr, Robert Crumb kind of right. vein of comics, underground comics, yeah, uh, in the seventies and stuff. It's it's very much aping that style, yeah. And, and he I wanted across... to talk about this. I'm sorry, just to say, I wanted to talk about this also, and I'm going to kind of relate this to Midnight Mass because I believe these both do something oh, very yeah, good, could,
4: yeah. <laughs> But go for it. I'm sorry, Matt. No, no, no. <laughs> I see that correlation, though. Yeah, I, I didn't totally
2: watch Midnight Mass because I didn't want to, like, get on religious stuff. Like, oh, it... I'm
4: sorry. And then I, was, no. yeah, you're no. and I gave this book. Girl.
0: I you was the wrong so turn.
2: taken aback by this <laughs> book.
4: So, so then essentially we get this kind of, like, con man televangelist character introduced who essentially says, hey, I have this machine. And you can reach into the souls of people and take out the corruptness, and then they're reborn. And it's like this giant, ridiculous machine. And essentially, he sells the blueprints, but then you kind of realize, oh, he's a con man, and like no one's ever built one, and he's just like selling it for money. Well, this one dude builds his own, and like it's just insane. Like the characters in this are so weird. <laughs> <laughs> There's like so off. Is it connected?
3: Like I know DC put it out. Is it does it, nope. does it have connected to no, 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 DC at all? No, this is this
1: is its own story, very <laughs> much its own universe. Yeah. And like I said, if you don't know what I mean when I say Harvey P. Carr and Robert Crumb and American Splendor and things like that, go look because Crumb drew people with these very kind of dirty and exaggerated. He reflected yeah. a lot of the grime of humanity and stuff. While people like to draw perfect people in art. Um, and this is very dirty, like we said, uh, and this character, I mean, okay. this guy looks like a candidate to be the Joker. Right. And yeah. and like any If other it ends universe. up being a Joker tie and I will not be happy. No, it's but, not um, say that. because he. it's a tra- it's a tragic comedy in a way, because he really is like very earnestly into religion. Like this is his thing and everything he kind of reflects around his dirty, kind of grimy, messed up psychotic life is reflected as a religion. Like he knows their side characters, like a crazy man on the street, you know, and all this other people scuzz. Yeah. And like (laughs) con artists and scumbag buddies he has, but he just sees this himself as like one of the Lords chosen and going on. And the big twist at the end is, you know, throughout this con, he actually seems to reach in and pull out an actual, Demon spirit Demon, from somebody, yeah. and and it's great because you don't know really like where the line of reality is here. Yeah. Is this seeing something, or is he just crazy, or like what's going on here? But it's it does what Midnight Mass does was took, which is talk about you know not not slam faith itself, but say how it can be used and skewed by by people with ill intent to kind of to kind of mess with people and trick people. Right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the point of both. Um, and yeah, this one is, is different That's than any true. other comic I've, I think I've ever read and it is crazy, but I really want to see what happens next. Right. Yeah.
2: Same, same. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I gotta know like, wh- is that a real team or not?
3: <laughs> oh, this is, so I just pulled it up.
4: Yeah. Very on my alley. You look the cover and the cover tells you what kind of feel that. Yeah. Oh yeah. has. Oh, oh yeah, Charlie's time. gonna Charlie,
1: you'll love this. But um yeah. yeah, no, so I thought this was a crazy I didn't know what Matt was throwing me into with this one, but uh it turned out there because I'm liking kind of these DC black labels like this and the nice house on the lake, I think are nice house really there. promising signs that somebody over there in the adult section of DC is really doing a good job of like I mean out, you like, know get Joker experience.
4: has been good too. Like they're 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 doing good stuff. Yeah, yeah like black labels doing it's crazy because like black and by the way, oh. Hold on. Before we go any further, I have to address the just bombshell that Kofi threw last time of saying like D.C. has no great issues. That is not true. I'm saying no. no, I'm saying the
1: last week, like the last week. (laughs) Yo, Come on, Matt. Matt. I heard that. I was like, what? Everybody in the comments, everybody in the comments, everybody watching this on Paramount Plus. (laughs) Come on. D.C. at the end of the month, the last week of the month is notorious for just dropping straight garbage. And just it's hand in fifth like, week stuff. See you at the beginning of
4: next week. month. And it's just like it's true. Um, so okay, so but before we get into the next book, so everyone dug this. It's yes. like oh, yeah.
2: great Halloween vibes. Love it.
4: Okay, good deal. Uh so let's move into real quick Arkham City, the order of the world. Number one. Um, I uh I read this after I read Soul Plumber, and I think that was to the detriment of this book because I enjoyed that. That book was so different and I enjoyed it so much. And then going into this, I just was like, meh. I was like, it was very much we're, we're following up on A-Day. Of course, like Joker gassed everybody and 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 We you don't find know out, Joker. Don't you blame Joker. You don't know that. <laughs> you find out that there was only one psychiatrist that was not in the building that worked for Arkham at the time. And so she comes back and she's helping the police try and recover the inmates that are still alive because most of them died too. Um, and it's a trick there. So I, the premise is interesting. I just did not – this book just did not click for me um, because you're going through and, like, the twist at the end was – that was it. Like, I like that. Um, I don't know if it hooked me. Like, I, I wouldn't read the next one, and that's how I felt personally, but that was me. What would you guys feel?
1: I think Batman makers need to realize a couple things. One, A-Day is never going to be M-Day, number one. Two, stop trying <laughs> to put Clown Hunter – clown hunter stories in these books that's that's just completely unrelated but stop that um <laughs> that? Yeah, and this isn't as interesting none of this stuff from kind of fear state or a day is interesting in and of itself it's interesting of how it's transforming the batman status quo that's the interesting part in my opinion um so this was just like i i also read this stuff their soul plumber and i just was like well that was a talkie you know like there were people they had conversations it was like soul plumber is so kinetic like in just like crackling with like energy and and craziness and this is just kind of like dry He's just kind of dry and it's just like yeah i don't really it didn't
4: hook me in my interest that much not just me though now, Janelle, I know you had a little Batman burnout
2: a couple of weeks okay. ago. I, I didn't even. I, I'm literally looking in our thread. I'm like, where is this? I don't see. It I either. don't.
4: I don't know if I stuck. It I was don't the, think you even wasted, rope, You, you didn't even forgot.
2: waste my time, and I'm glad you didn't because I yeah. love. I really liked all the books this week. Ball. I liked Soul Plumber. I liked our <laughs> um, Spider-Man, and then the next one we're going to talk about. I really enjoyed. So
1: let's get to that. Bry- yeah. Bry- Brywood, I just want to answer Briwood. Um, I think the Miracle Molly one shot was
4: ten times better than this Arkham City order. Yes, I did. I did read Maoko Kamali, and I agree. Because <laughs> uh, Brian has been on me to, to read that a couple times, mm-hmm. my bad. Uh, but yes, that was way better. I would read another one of that uh, as opposed to this. Uh, so uh, me and me and Janelle have been on the Captain Marvel train, Captain Marvel number 33, uh, Last of the Marvels chapter two. Uh, and by the way, you can check out a full interview with Kelly Thompson all about the Last of the Marvels and a preview of what's to come on comicbook.com. Click, click. Um, But uh, what did you think of this issue? Because the last one left us with like a big cliffhanger and we get a lot of info here.
2: Oh, gosh, I love this. It was just action packed. Start to finish. just had me just reading extremely quickly, like almost too fast. I was like, I probably need to go over this again. Just a lot of really awesome stuff going on. Um, and I'm just, I'm so pumped about where this is going and I've got to know how the end, like where, how she's going to get out of this conundrum that she's in. And yeah, if there, what do you think, Matt? Tell me. That cliffhanger. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Oh,
4: that's, man, that's the way you write like an end of, an end of book hook there I was like it just ends in silence I was like oh my god yes
2: the whole thing felt like a movie like I was like this is an action movie I mean it was just from from go like action I haven't really read any books like that in a long time that are just like action 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 like let's just keep going with like fighting and grooving like there's no wordiness or anything yeah it was great
4: with Cap it's kind of like every other arc so like the Mm -hmm. last Avenger that kind of set this one up was kind of that way too it was like this kind of Boom! Action! Action! We're, we're moving through, and it was very, very much kind of that action-heavy thing. And then we, the next arc was kind of the Doctor Strange stuff, and then you're kind of like, or like Brave New World, actually. Sorry, uh where it was that. like exploring all these different characters. And so there's more of that, and then you get into another pulse pounding. So it's kind of every other, but I like how that flows. Yeah, I, I agree. I this is very a fast moving story, but I dig it, and I'm, I'm excited to see when we finally get those other characters now that we like know who they are yeah i'm excited to, to move there um real quick because i know we gotta we gotta wrap here uh are you afraid of dark side number one in the in the horror theme is an 80 page <laughs> uh anthology book of a bunch of stories which is why i didn't want to get hit by kofi for it. <laughs> <laughs> i do not assign the long ones i try not to anyway um so here's the thing uh i jumped on that grenade and I got to say, though, actually, I actually really liked it. There's like one story that is so that's it's right in the middle and it slows everything to a crawl. And like, I actually almost stopped like twice because like, oh, my God, I'm so bored. But then after like the before and the after <coughs> are really, really good. And that story is good. It's just it's one of those like just loves to hear itself talk. And it's just it's one of those. It's just like, oh, my God. But after the, the before and after of that, they're really good. And there's about six, I think, five or six stories in there. So. was i was like worth it if you're if you're into the halloween theme it's essentially the teen titans telling spooky stories around a campfire but they're all encompassing like the stories are about the whole dc universe so definitely check it out that's comics all right thank you matt that's gonna do it for this episode
1: of comic book nation uh you're just gonna do a quick mention that yes we talked about midnight mass and uh we didn't get into it but that's on netflix mike flanagan excellent horror director so if you need something to watch Go check that out. We also got news about the new Dragon Ball superhero movie that is coming out during New York Comic Con, which is happening right now. So please check out comicbook.com anime for that as well. Um, guys, did you have anything you wanted to quick mention before we get out of here?
2: Janelle? Uh, I'm just excited to be here. I'm, these books are so good and I'm loving it. I'm just Moving I'm on, just, moving on, moving on. Matt, you have awesome. nothing to mention. Thanks I for listening. You,
4: <laughs> I love you, uh, yeah, so Muppets Haunted Mansion Is out on Disney Plus uh, I really enjoyed it That's super fun uh, And you can also later today on combo.com Check out interviews with Gonzo and Pepe Gonzo and Piggy, Which I cannot say I am not thrilled about That's amazing uh, Also, uh, we have some Power Rangers interviews coming up on the site uh, We have a really cool interview uh, With Keanu Reeves and the team behind Berserker Coming up, hopefully in the next week or two uh, And then NXT Halloween Havoc Is right around the corner So uh, we'll have plenty of wrestling stuff to preview as well.
1: If you are just joining us, this is Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. You can download audio on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can watch us on Facebook, Twitch, or YouTube live when we stream every new episode Friday at noon. But if you miss it, you can also catch us on Paramount Plus on Saturday nights starting this week. And uh, that's really exciting. So thank you for everybody new who's joining us. And for all our regular fans, we'll see you guys next week. This is Comic Book Nation. Peace. Deuces.